Welcome back to another episode of the Brown Central Podcast. I apologize for my hiatus. I apologize for kind of leaving you guys in the dark a little bit if you don't follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, I, I just had a lot of things going on and we got those figured out. Uh, we're back. I'm going to try to update this as much as I can. Uh, in the off season, there's not a ton to talk about, but I'm going to try to get guests on. I'm going to get people on this show that you guys are going to love um, and you're going to get a lot of insight from aside from myself. And we're going to make this thing thing blow up a little bit. I, I have to do better as a content creator to get content out to you guys that is genuine, homemade, and I'm going to take a lot of pride in that this off season and make sure that we come out with a bang in the 2024-2025 season uh, as that rolls around. So without further ado, welcome back to the Brown Central Podcast. The ball game is over as the Cleveland Browns have made it into the NFL playoffs for the first time in 18 long years. As we get into this episode, we have a lot of talent to evaluate down in Mobile, Alabama at the Reese Senior Bowl. Uh, it's just one of my favorite events in, of the offseason. Draft time in general is my favorite time of the offseason. You have the Senior Bowl, you have Pro Days, you have the Combine, and then you have the Draft. Um, and then you have pre-draft interviews, you have weigh-ins, you have all these things, and you get to kind of see social media blow up a little bit um, in this kind of dead period of the offseason where people are going to be arguing about who's going number one, who's trading what, all that stuff. The Browns, finally, you know, they don't have a, a number one pick that they have to worry about. They have number 55. And as I'm down in Mobile, I'm, I'm looking around at the talent there, and it's just phenomenal. And there's a lot of guys that made a lot of money in Mobile. And, you know, I was taking notes. I was seeing who fits us the best. And I think I came away with a pretty good list of people that are going to help out this team in the long run. Um, I, I spent most of my time watching receivers. There were some tight ends in there uh, just because Harrison Bryant's not going to be here. Rightfully so, if we're being honest. Uh, Browns might need to look at another running back. In my opinion, they need another receiver. Maybe not at 55, wherever it may be. Uh, receiver is definitely a position to need. There's just a lack of explosiveness this season. And I get it. Joe Flacco, PJ Walker, DTR, injured Deshaun Watson. It doesn't help anything. But if you do get into a situation where you have to bring in a veteran quarterback that can sling the ball downfield like Joe Flacco can, you need a receiver that is going to be able to make catches and make the best out of a broken situation. And I know they drafted Cedric Tillman. They drafted David Bell a couple years ago. Um, you have Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, Michael Woods, who is going to be ready to go after sustaining an injury. So a lot of guys on this roster so far. Uh, but like I said, explosive option is needed. And maybe they can go into free agency and do that. And PFF put out a list that Marquise Brown was an addition that the Browns need to make. I don't know. That's, that's a discussion for another episode. Uh, I think it's just too much money you can find a guy in this draft that will give you pretty much the same amount, if not better, uh, of production. So without further ado, let's get into that. My number one receiver at the Reese Senior Bowl, Ricky Pearsall from the University of Florida, put on a masterclass. And I mean, you look at his Florida tape, 
it's phenomenal. He's fast. He's a route runner. He had an amazing compilation of one-handed catches, contested catches, everything. And he's not the biggest guy, but he is somebody that the Browns need to take a look at if they are looking to add to this wide receiver room. Uh, He's just an absolute gamer. And, you know, speed is something that this team has lacked. They tried to bring in Marquise Goodwin. Obviously, he he suffered from the blood clots. He had concussion issues. It just really hasn't worked out for him. That's not to say that they, you know, give him another chance next season and bring him back. But if you want to develop a fast receiver, which they have struck out so many times trying to do, Antonio Callaway, uh, Anthony Schwartz, then Ricky Pearsall is your guy. He's a route tech. He can play in the slot. He can literally do everything. He obviously made the most money this week, in my opinion, in that wide receiver group. A little bit. Um, Roman Wilson from the University of Michigan. I tried not to watch Roman Wilson simply because he's a Michigan guy. I can't take the fact that he kind of dominated us uh, a couple times these past couple years, but I can't deny it. He is also a force to be reckoned with. Um, I mean, his routes were crisp. He had strong hands. He plays leverage really well. He gets down. And even in these one-on-one drills where guys are trying to get to the end zone and, you know, you're starting off at the 30, 35, whatever, uh, you're trying to get to the end zone and, and score. He's taking the ball down. He's showing that he's a reliable receiver and he has a bigger frame than he puts on to be. He's only about, he's about six foot, uh, but he plays bigger than he is. And if the guy, if the Browns want to go out and get kind of a slot guy, um, David Bell has not had the abundance of catches uh, that you would like to see from somebody who was drafted at his position. However, he is getting folded into the game plan. So maybe that, you know, solidifies him as their young slot guy and they don't feel the need to go out to get a pure slot guy. But Roman Wilson would be a fantastic option. Third, I think I'm going to have to, I'm really iffy on this because Brendan Rice, obviously the son of Jerry Rice, has great tape. His 2023 season was very good. Not perfect, but great. And Caleb Williams had some struggles this past season. So you can't really put all the blame on on Brendan for not having the production that you would expect out of Jerry Rice's son. But he still stepped into a wide receiver one role for that team. He's strong. He's physical. The only thing I saw from him that I was not in love with is that he had just had concentration drops. Uh, he would not necessarily cook a DB, but he would get past the defensive back. And with enough separation that he should be able to catch the ball without being worried about, you know, it getting swatted or, or anything like that. And he just has it in his hands and it falls out. That is something that could be fixed or cannot be fixed. But I think that kind of raised some eyebrows and You know, the Browns have have had receivers who have dealt with the same thing and they're obviously no longer here. So you you have to be able to fix that if you are going to take a chance on him. But there is just tremendous upside. I mean, he moves so fast for his frame. It's it's purely remarkable. So if they do take a chance on him, you're going to get a guy with high upside, but has some things to work on and 
thankfully with the amount of receivers that we have here, he will have some time to develop and figure out what is kind of either if it's in his head or if it's in his technique or anything like that. Uh, it's important to note that Kelly Brownson, the assistant wide receivers coach, was the coach of the American team at the Senior Bowl. Uh, she got to work with Brandon Rice. She got to work with guys like Javon Baker from UCF. Um, it's That's very important. And the first day I saw Andrew Barry out there looking at Callie and how she was coaching up these guys, uh, she seemed to do a great job. She was with people every single time at, after every single rep. Uh, and and talking them and running routes with them and making sure that they are locked in and that they are being the best that they can be. She did a great job. I know she has gotten a lot of hate. Chad O'Shea has gotten a lot of hate uh, these past couple of years, but she really seems to own the role that she's in. And props to her because these guys are going to become great young players uh, in this league. And she's going to be one of the causes for that. So Shout out to Callie. Hopefully she gave Andrew Barry a pretty good scouting report on, on guys like Brendan Rice. Javon Baker is another guy that I like. Uh, he's, he's fast. He's physical. He averaged 21 yards per catch. 21 in his final year at UCF. I, you're not really going to find that anywhere else, if we're being honest. So there's just a lot to look forward there and, and how Andrew Barry attacks this wide receiver class. And then you got the guys like Jalen McMillan from Washington, um, Xavier Worthy, Xavier Leggett was another guy at the senior bowl that I really liked. Uh, there's guys everywhere. I mean, you cannot miss out on really any type of receiver in this draft. You're going to find another guy who is similar to the guy who was taken, you know, 30 picks above. Uh, it's it's really a unique class, and I loved spending my week in Mobile watching them. I also got the opportunity to watch the tight ends. This tight end class is not extremely great. Um, you know, you have guys like Theo Johnson out of Penn State. Ben Sinat was a guy at the Senior Bowl from Kansas State. Uh, and, you know, there's some guys who can catch and be physical there's other guys who are pure blockers and you know some security option in the flat but tight end is going to be a position of need like I said Harrison Bryant may not be on this team uh, next year so you're gonna have to bring in a young guy who can step in at a tight end two role and tight end two tight end three role and you know play his tail off Ben Sinat was a guy who I really liked uh, he he was physical. He was a little handsy in some of the one on one drills, but you're six four. He's six four. He's six four, two forty five. He has a lot of weight to throw around. And when you watch some of his tape, he isn't necessarily like a a boulder like Najoku is. Uh, he's not gonna go over there and truck somebody. But he he is strong. He's strong at the point of attack, and not to mention he played fullback fullback and tight end at Kansas state. He played 91 snaps at fullback. So the Browns love to run the Nick Harris package. I think you can do some things in the middle of the field or in your own territory uh, just to kind of diversify that offense a little bit and do some things you used to be able to do with Kareem Hunt uh, back in the Baker Mayfield days and just have people running everywhere. That's going to be something that I'm really excited about is to see 
how they can get unique with Ken Dorsey in this offense and, and mix up a lot of stuff. Um, so Sonata's a great option. And if we're being honest, that was about all I saw from that tight end group. Um, you had a guy from Michigan, again, Michigan player. I didn't spend a lot of time watching him. Uh, but from what I have seen clips and, and on social media, he is somebody that guys can rely on and they trust. So, you know, he could be an option. There's it again, underwhelming. However, there are options there and we still have Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins can definitely step up into a tight end two role. I didn't think he got used enough. He should have been used over Harrison Bryant. I cannot tell you what they were doing. Uh, letting Jordan Akins take a back seat and just kind of watching. It was pretty lame, especially when Deshaun was there. Uh, that's his teammate. You're not putting his teammate on the field. Let's reevaluate that. Running back. I think this is a little bit of a sensitive topic to some. Nick Chubb, obviously going to come back at some point, but we don't know when. Jerome Ford, not great. Uh, he he did serviceable. He did very well. I'm not going to discredit him. He did very well for the position that he was put in, you know, with a depleted offensive line, his first time really starting. It's difficult uh, for a second year back, you know, no disrespect to him, but I think this run game does need another spark. You had Pierre Strong getting a lot of carries. Uh, Pierre Strong is probably not going to be here next season again. So if you want some guy that you can develop, maybe stick on the practice squad for however long you need. Uh, once Nick Chubb comes back, then do that. But you need another running back back there just to bring some some power and some oomph, you know, to that offense. The guys I was looking at at the Senior Bowl, uh, Isaiah Davis from South Dakota State. He's 6'1". He has great vision. I didn't know much about him up until the Senior Bowl. So uh, after the first night, I went and I, I was watching some tape on him. He has great vision. He does kind of remind me of Jerome Ford a little bit. Uh, but he's able to to bounce off of of defenders a little better. Uh, he he finds open space a little better, and that's gonna be the guy that will give you production no matter what team he's on. He's the guy I was looking at. Marshawn Lloyd out of USC. He is a pure receiving back. He was making fantastic catches along the sideline. Uh, he was running wheel routes. He was kind of cooking dudes, um, as, even as a route runner. The the linebackers had re- real trouble catching him uh, and and catching up to him once he got past the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was just really fun to watch. Knowing how the Browns are, they're probably not going to take a running back extremely high. There are a lot of guys that can fall. There's a uh, running back from Troy, Kamani Vidal. He was very good. He's a guy who is projected to go sixth, fifth, sixth round. That's where I kind of think that the Browns are going to look for for a guy. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go in this running back room because it's. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to find another running back until Nick Chubb come, is able to come back. Whether that's a veteran, whether that's a rookie, it doesn't matter. But a spark needs to be found in the run game at least for the first three weeks. Um, in maybe even beyond, who knows? But another back needs to be in that room. Pierre Strong did good. I thought at times he should have got more chances. Unfortunately, he didn't. But it's just one of those 
one of those positions where you can load up on it and it's not going to hurt you at all. Finally, linebacker. I want to touch on linebacker, even though our guest is going to come in and, and talk to us a little bit about the defense. Peyton Wilson from North Carolina, North Carolina State. He is truly a bruiser. I mean, with you know uncertainty of Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, who I'm definitely sure is not going to be on the team anytime soon, you're going to have to look for a linebacker. Peyton Wilson is probably going to go high. He was top 50 in Daniel Jeremiah's top 100. So maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. But you have guys like uh, Eric Gray from North Carolina. Again, he's a nice coverage guy. He's not necessarily the thickest, but as we have seen with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, he doesn't need to put on weight because this system works so well with linebackers that you're going to make a play no matter what body type you are. Edifan Olofoshio from Washington is another guy that I love. Uh, he, I thought he was going to declare last year. I did a lot of scouting on him, and he just flies everywhere. He's another JOK type guy. I really think that he could be something special. He's a projected fourth, fifth rounder. I believe he is more of an outside linebacker, but again, this scheme is so linebacker friendly that you can pretty much put anybody out there. Sione was getting middle linebacker reps. So there is going to be a opportunity for him to do some damage if the Browns feel that he can make a difference on this team. With that said, it is time to bring on our special guest, Quincy Carrier. This is going to be a lot of fun. Me and Quincy hooked up at the Senior Bowl a little bit, uh, got to talking, and he agreed to come on this podcast. Huge thank you to Quincy for this. This is going to be very fun. He's going to provide you with insight on offensive tackle, defensive line. And, you know, at the end, we're going to try to put together a big board and see who would be like the Browns to draft out of the position groups that we were able to watch at the Senior Bowl. Stick around. We will be right back. As promised, we have the one and only Quincy Carrier on the podcast. Quincy, thank you for joining me. No problem, man. Thank you for having me. So we got to talking at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I, I was spending my time watching receivers, tight ends, and, and most of the offense. Uh, you were down there watching defensive line and offensive line. Uh, can you kind of take me through your thought process on how the Browns should approach either offensive line, defensive line, or, or any other position that you may have watched? Well, for the last four years, we have been complaining, oh, it's a bad offensive line class. It's a bad offensive line class. It's not deep. It's not deep. Um, and this year, I think that this is actually a good offensive line class. And, you know, it's one of those things where need overlaps. How often does this need become available? It's kind of like how we talk about quarterback, right? It's one thing if you don't need a quarterback, but if you have a pick where you can get a quarterback and it's a draft that has quarterbacks, kind of got to do it right because you're not going to get a better opportunity it doesn't happen every year this is the same way i feel about offensive tackles you kind of need an offensive tackle right we know jed wills is playing on his fifth year option will likely start and play for the rest of the year um, but you don't know what the offensive line class next year is going to look like and i saw like it just at the senior bowl three four guys who i think can play day one um and then a bunch of other guys who i'm like hey if you just fix a couple things with them They'll be pretty solid tackles going forward. Absolutely. I, I was kind of looking at that a little bit uh, when you and me got to talking. Javon Foster was somebody that I was I was taking a look at. Uh, 
Roger Rosengarten was was somebody who really exploded this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah Rogers from Illinois. There, there was just a lot of guys there. Uh, who are maybe one or two guys that you think that the Browns may take a look at? Roger Rosengarten is exactly who you would love if you're one of these people who complain about Jet Wills, right? Like if you're like always like clipping him and like mad at him. He is the exact opposite. I saw him at the senior bowl. He like, he, they had to tell him the rep was over. Like the rep was just never over to him. He would hover over guys, continue to fight plays, never done. And I do think that's a guy that you should go after if he's available, because he was playing right tackle at Washington, but we have to remember they have a left-handed quarterback. So he was a blindside protector at Washington. He looked pretty smooth, taking snaps from both the right and left side at the senior bowl, took snaps in the game and at practices on 11-on-11s and on -on one-on-ones, both on the right and left side. So you know that he can do it. Um, It's not going to be that big of a deal for him. He seems like a good athlete, has really good feet. We'll see what he runs at the 40. 40 if he runs under a five then he might run himself out of the range for the Cleveland Browns here um but if he's available in that second third round range that's somebody who it might take a year to get ready for left tackle it might not um but he certainly has the athleticism and the finishing ability that you want with a tackle especially a tackle who's going to be tasked with blocking for somebody like Deshaun who has that game changer kind of play style where he's going to try to break a couple tackles, try to get outside the pocket. You know, the play is going to last long with him. And Jet might not be the perfect guy for that. Um, Jet might be more suited for a pocket passer. He has some things to clean up in a run game, but it's not like Jet's the cleanest in there either. So he would be somebody who's interesting. Um, Kingsley Sumatia from BYU, I thought he had a pretty strong week. He did play left tackle in college. I think, uh, like... He came in and the big thing about him was like, he doesn't use his hands. Well, he was pretty good with his hands all week. I thought, I thought he had some really good impressive reps against some Michigan guys, um, especially where he was able to use his hands to win these reps, um, quick hands and everything else. A little bit of a project, but I think he's somebody who you can have in there. I think, I mean, like this goes with almost every offensive tackle or even offensive guard. We're going to talk about, it seems like they don't, they don't anchor that well coming out of college. And that might just be a strength thing. Like, I think I, I've, I've marked like every single one. It was like, Hey, he needs to anchor better. He needs to drop the anchor. He needs to know when to drop it. Like there was like two, I think Guyton out of Oklahoma was the only one. I was like, damn, he drops it. Right. Like He drops it pretty clean there. Um, but all these guys probably need to adjust that one, but you just don't want to see guys getting beat inside consistently. That's the, if I had to move the guys who concerned me a little bit, I would say Javon Foster's, third day was pretty concerning right because he was doing fine battling back and forth I thought day one day two I thought he looked outright impressive in day two then day three it seemed like guys figured out how to get inside of him and he couldn't adjust so that's something that you want to see him battle back from um, and get better at that's he'll probably put him in a project category but he's really athletic guy really talented guy so I thought this offensive line class was very encouraging I know some people might feel like we need a linebacker more or a running back or a wide receiver but there's a linebacker a good linebacker a good running back a good wide receiver in every draft class not a lot of draft classes have solid offensive linemen that you can get in the second or third round um, and if the Browns are going to be, you know, kind of balling on the budget a little bit here with the Sean's contract and you don't have a first round pick, 
then offensive tackle somewhere you want to look at so that when you do need a first round pick next year, you don't have to use it on an offensive lineman. You can use it on best player available or, you know, if things don't work right with Deshaun, maybe even a quarterback. So you want to keep your options as open as, as possible. If you're the Browns, I think um, offensive line is where they should really be focused on uh, this off season. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've kind of seen in the last couple of years is their inability to find a guy who can who can do both. Um, James Hudson coming out of Cincinnati did a lot of, of run blocking. He was great at it. Um, but then in this past game, that was always the one question mark. And then Jedrick was one of the best pass blockers in college football. And then you go look at his run game. And again, it's not fantastic. So the beauty of the Brown situation right now is that no matter what, these guys are going to kind of sit behind a year. Uh, Conklin is going to come back. And, you know, you draft a right tackle, he's going to sit behind. Jedrick's going to come back. Left tackle, he's going to sit behind for a year um, until they do need to play. Or, again, they don't even have to play. So there are a lot of projects in this draft. But like you said, Rosengarten was was fantastic. I think he, he was the one who impressed me the most. Um, Guyton was, was interesting to me. I saw some footwork issues that he had as well. Um, but otherwise, he's, he's quick to the punch, and he, he kind of – takes some contact a little bit and is still able to work guys um, to the outside. So that was a really fun class to watch. And these defensive linemen were eating at points. There were guys like Gabe Hall from Baylor, who was kind of bottom of the barrel from one of the things that I saw, uh, but he had a really, really strong week. Yeah. Yeah. With the guy like Gabe Hall, you wonder like, okay, Big guy, long guy, how flexible is he? You know, how, how well can he move side to side? I thought he moved fine. Um, you know, he he kind of relied on that inside spin a lot um, to kind of win, but it was winning almost all week. Um, and that's something to look at there. I thought Darius Robinson, I mean, like if you close your eyes, you're like, hey, what does the interior defensive lineman look like in 2024? That's what Darius Robinson is. Uh, good athlete like you know sometimes you see it and you're like that's a first round draft pick right <laughs> when you see him and how quick he can be and how athletic he is he just isn't super consistent and that's something that you know I feel like you could coach that into somebody but it's a bit of a gamble then you have some guys who I think are like more traditional well it used to be like one text but now even the Browns like I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns went after somebody like a Tavondre Sweat because if you look at who they've gone after, they've gone after Dalvin Tomlinson, who could be described as a traditional one-tech. They drafted Siaki Ika, who is a one-tech prospect, but at three-tech. Like, I think Jim Schwartz sees something in using these bigger guys in these traditional three-tech roles. Um, and they're going to want somebody who could really be good in there and run defense. Now, my personal philosophy with run defense is long and strong wins the battle, right? Like I would rather go get a Darius Robinson because I'm like long and strong is going to get you in the run game, especially well. Uh, but, you know, if you want to go bigger, that's a different school of thought. I think that'd be interesting. I thought Devondre had a nice week out here. Um, you know, he did big guy stuff, right? It wasn't super flashy. He wasn't like killing everybody in one-on-ones, but he was big, strong, powerful, knew how to drive, converted some speed into power. Thought he had a nice week there. There were some guys who had good weeks that were kind of out of the Browns range, right? Like the guy from USC, UCLA. Um, and I believe there's a Penn state guy in there. That was a, that's a first round draft pick as well. So, you know, some of those guys a little bit outside of the Browns range, 
Um, but you know, I think there were some definitely some interesting prospects there. Oh, what's the Western Michigan kid's name? Um I was just looking at his name on his name. I'm blanking on his name. I apologize, but there was a good prospect from Western Michigan. I'm probably gonna remember it later on today and gonna be furious with myself. But yeah, there was (laughs) there was a kid from Western Michigan. I thought he had a nice week there at Edge. Ah, Marshawn Nealon. Yes, Mm -hmm. Marshawn Nealon. I thought he was fine there too as well. Yeah, uh, the defensive line was really fun to watch and. You know, you mentioned the guy from Penn State, uh, Adisa Isaac. He's he's a nice speed rusher. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see, again, how we approach this defensive line because you have some guys to re-sign. You have Zadarius to re-sign. You got uh, Shelby Harris to re-sign. You got um, Maurice Hurst to re-sign. There are people that they can bring back for cheap, and, you know, maybe they consider them replaceable. Uh, but if you, I think if you keep one or two of those guys, uh, then you bring in a new fresh face, you're going to have a lot of things to work with. I am not a fan of Siaki Ika, if we are being completely honest. And I know he <laughs> didn't, if he, I know he didn't get the opportunities, but you know, he, I don't know, man, uh, that, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, but it's, 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 to me, I'm like, it's a pick that made sense to me 10 years ago. Yeah. It's a different philosophy, right? Like, I don't love the ideal of getting big guys that also aren't long. Like, I think if for all my draft junkies in here, um, and this might be a little bit before your time, but it's the Sharif Floyd, Sharif, Sharif Floyd debate, right? Him coming out of Florida, he was a really productive player. I think this was the 2014 draft, and he fell all the way to the second round. And people are like, how does a productive player like this? He's got small arms. He plays a one tech. It doesn't make sense in the NFL. And you see guys now, I mean, like, Miles Garrett looks like a three-tech in today's game. He's just athletic enough to play edge because that's what they look like now. Like, Miles, like, they just look like what used to be an edge rusher. Um, and edge rushers are even getting smaller. Like, some of the guys we saw here, um, the UCLA kid, the Penn State kid, not the biggest guys out there, right? Like, they don't, <laughs> like the edge position is actually getting smaller um, across the league average-wise. And, yeah, I just – I don't know if you should continue to get dudes like Siaki Ika. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong on that. You know, the quote is we want to turn the dump trunk into the Ferrari. <laughs> I guess. Like, it, <laughs> it wasn't a pick that I was a huge fan of. Uh, but, you know, I'm always willing to be wrong on that. But, yeah, it's just to me, I like guys who you can see a, a versatile role with because these defensive linemen are being asked to play multiple positions nowadays like you'll see anthony alex Wright at edge sometimes at 4i 4e um and i think it's it's just where the game's going if you can't have somebody out there at three for a bunch of snaps that they can't uh rotate out or play a good overlook or or be able to maintain a a, a edge gap or something like that like if they can't be versatile in that way then i think that becomes a problem Absolutely. Uh, we heard the phrase big guy that can move big guys when Andrew Billings had his little stint here in Cleveland. That kind of reminds me of Siaki Ika and, you know, what happened to Andrew Billings. He's no longer here. Uh, so let's say you're the GM. You have pick 55. You have pick 86. Uh, if you watch some of the receivers, if you watch any of the tight ends, whatever, who are you taking at those two picks? Mm, 55. 
it's hard for me to say because I'm still in the middle of just my general scouting as well, right, for the year. Um, I know everybody wants to go wide receiver here. I don't – I think the Browns are much more likely to try to get a DeAndre Hopkins, a Mike Williams, or somebody to fill that gap. And it's funny to me how people react to these Andrew Barry quotes because he said it's not a priority to him. And then people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's not a priority to you. And it's like, well, one, he's not going to play his hand. And two, they got David and Joku and Amari Cooper. They, they invested a second round pick in Elijah Moore. They probably do feel fine. They're like, yeah, we just need to add like one or two receivers to that room or maybe just one, maybe another young guy. They like Cedric Tillman. That was their first pick of the draft last year. So, you know, it's... It, I don't think that they have this super giant need at wide receiver. Everybody else does. Um, same thing goes with linebacker. Like the Browns have been pretty good at filling that position with basically anybody. And they got JLK to anchor it. That's really all you need there. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if they went best offensive tackle available. I wonder where they're at with Roger Rosen Garden's ability to play left tackle. Right, because I think teams are going to be different on that. He played right tackle. They're going to want to keep him at right tackle. Some teams are dead set on that. Some teams are like, no, we can flip him. Um, if the Browns think he can be flipped, they will go him. If they don't think he can be flipped, they'll just go with like Kingsley or somebody like that. But I do think this is going to be all. I think the Browns are going to draft the big guy um, at 55. I, I, I really do. Um, and then what's the other pick? 85? 85, 86. Yep. What a gap. <laughs> What a gap. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go running back here, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would make a lot of sense. I think there's a few good running backs. We just go from who was impressive at the senior bowl. You can get a late round guy like a Dylan, like a Dylan Loeb. I thought he was pretty impressive here. Um, you can get somebody like a now nah, I'm about to say Marshawn Nealon because that was the other <laughs> Marshawn, but Marshawn Copeland out of UC USC. Yes. Uh thought he had a pretty impressive week. Has the fumble issues. If you feel like you can coach that out of him, which Deuce Staley, what you have him on the staff for, um, all the tools are there for somebody who can really be a standout backup running back for you um, in the NFL. There's plenty of other prospects there you could go with as well. Um, but, yeah, I think probably – I think Browns fans are probably – I think some are going to be frustrated, but I think it's going to be a beefy year for the draft. I think – if you look at how the Browns draft, they never really draft for what they need on the team right now. They draft for what they might need on the team in a couple of years. And they're going to probably need some more offensive linemen. They're going to probably need some more running backs. And they're probably going to need some more tight ends. And I thought um, the kid from Minnesota had an excellent week at the senior bowl, especially towards the end. So he's also somebody who would be on the radar as well for the Cleveland Browns. Or maybe they get Darius Robinson in that, in that third round. I wouldn't be mad at that either. But I think people are right now, they're focused. Like they're, they think this is the year for the skill bag and they're going to get the skill player. I don't know. I think you better get prepared for a fat guy. And I think that would be an excellent choice. Like if Absolutely. you get a fat guy, uh, that that's that builds sustainability there, right? You can always get wide receivers or something like that in free agency. But, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a question on what they like their tackle because – you got to make a decision on Jed and you don't want to be left making a decision out of pure necessity, right? Which is, do we want bottom of the league tackle play or middle of the league tackle play? Cause you know, you're going to get that with Jed, right? You're going to get that middle of the league tackle play. But if you don't have Jed 
it can get really, really bad. We saw that with Christian Watson and, and all the guys that we threw out there at left tackle. It can get so much worse. And then imagine what that looks like when you have somebody who holds the ball a little bit longer and likes to improvise like Deshaun Watson back there. I mean, it was we were fortunate that it was a Joe Flacco there because like that minimized so much of the damage of not having Jed. Um, so I think that if they look at this season, they're like, whoa, that's where we really dodged the bullet. We really got away with offensive tackle on that left side there because it just all went to hell um, for us. But yeah, I think Kingsley, Roger Rosengarten, depending on what kind of 40 he runs, I think Roger's combine is going to be so important for him because they saw he could play at the senior bowl, but now it's going to be about the feet drills, the the the, the, the cone drills, all the stuff, like how, how fluid of an athlete that they think he is. And if he tests positive on all of that, he's probably a second round pick in my eyes. I like it. I like it. Uh, Kingsley was one of the guys I had. Yeah, my God, he's just he's just a, a boulder. Uh, he likes to fight. Like that's what I like about him, right? Like he's unpolished at times, but he just likes to fight. And I, th- there is sometimes, man, we run into these prospects, and people don't ask some of the fundamental questions that you need to ask. We get so caught up in everything else with these guys. It's like, hey, man, some of these dudes like play fight positions. Like I don't want a defensive tackle or an edge that shies away from contact that does not seem like they like to fight or, you know, same thing with the offensive line, right? Uh, wide receivers is, is another one there as well. Like we saw Tez Walker and I thought one of the things that disappointed me in Tez was every time somebody put a hand on him, mm-hmm. you know, it looked real different, right? You know, it looked great the first couple of days where they weren't really able to time up his route and press him right. But boy, once they got to press him day three and even in that game, it started to look different with Tez. And I'm like, man, I don't know. That's like, if I, I looked at Tez, I'm like, man, if you put Martin Emerson on him, he's not getting a yard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, especially his first year in the league. Like maybe he grows through it, but that's one of the things you got to find out. Like who likes to hit? Like that's what the senior bowl is really good for. Cause they hit this contact three days and even in the game. And you can see who is inviting that contact, who is willing to go that extra mile um and see and get physical and who is like you know willing to let somebody get in their chest with no repercussions like that's that's always something to watch absolutely and uh i I talked about it a little bit before but ricky pearsall is my i think he's going to be my guy for for this draft um literally can do everything i mean Mm -hmm. i i did not see a moment in that senior bowl where i was unimpressed with him he just if only the quarterbacks would give him a good ball I was praying that Bo Nix would just put one on the money. He had a really nice route where he just broke out to the outside. DB had no chance, and it was just a couple feet in front of him. Uh, but I, I think he – that's a little bit of a stretch at 55, in my opinion. But It's a rough day for the quarterbacks when we walk out of it thinking, man, Spencer Rattler ain't that bad. <sighs> like, <laughs> like that's my takeaway from it. It was like, well, you know, Spencer could go in the third. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah that was that was fun though i i uh like seeing spencer rattler kind of kind of shake all that off and and come into his own um in that senior bowl but you know there's a there's just a lot of talent everywhere i think i'm probably going to stay put at receiver uh if if i were set picking at 55 i don't know man i i think i'm gonna go with ricky it is a stretch maybe you know they move back or whatever but that's that's going to be my guy and then you move into 86 
Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, you see, I try not to play the draft value game yeah. because to me, the draft value game only matters before the draft and like three days after the draft. Afterwards, it only matters if the dude can play football, yeah. right? Like, you know, it, you you drafted Dewan Jones in the fourth round. That's a good pick, right? Everybody applauded that. You draft Dewan Jones in the first round. After you do that on draft, people are like, what are you doing? Yeah. He had all this stuff. This is a terrible pick. This is horrible. And then he plays well. And it's like, well, I guess he was a first round pick, right? Um, it's just, I think sometimes, especially like, us analysts when we get into this bag about like trying to predict it we get so caught up in like okay well where's everybody else having rank and it's like you think that dude's worth a second round pick take him like you know if like <laughs> truly like if you think that dude is good enough to be the second pick that you have there if that's who you want you should take him because i think teams fall into that mindset too and they make mistakes like that where it's like hey well we like this dude but man everybody else has this guy so highly rated uh we should we should go with him over over the guy that we actually like and it's like nah like i i'll give a silly example when i was in college i fell in love like 2014 i'm dating myself but 2014 draft i like for whatever reason browns had two first round picks i i fell deep into the rabbit hole i was like watching film on every prospect i was in college i wasn't even doing this as a career yet um and i remember me and my friends were doing big boards and I put Aaron Donald number one on that big board because I was like, man, that's the best dude on the draft. But you know who I put two there, even though I didn't, I put Greg Robinson number two, didn't think he was that good, but everybody else swore to God, right? Like, oh yeah, he's really good. He's really... So like, I guess I put him there too. That happens with NFL teams where it's like, yeah, man, I would just put him here at five. Everybody else thinks he's good. So I guess we'll put him here at five, which is why best player available can be a flawed strategy. Cause like, how are those players being ranked? Cause sometimes you rank a player lower knowing, well, he's five, seven and he's not super big and he doesn't have this and that. So I can't have him over this six, five guy who ran a four, three, even though I like him, his tape better. It's like, just, if you like the dude, like just draft good football players a day to day, you know, and it, it's we made this whole thing complicated. But at the end of the day, the draft is just a pickup game. Basically, it's just the same strategy. I think he can ball. I'm picking him. Right. If there was no big board attached, we wouldn't get wrapped up into this. But since there is a big board and you get based off of the collective opinions of your peers, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on draft day people fall into those traps but look if it were up to me in 2014 the browns would have aaron donald because <laughs> i was i said i don't care who was on the team that dude is the best football player i've ever seen go back and watch aaron donald's pit tape and tell me you don't think that that's the greatest man to ever play football ever oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that it, i don't think like people act like aaron donald caught people by surprise and i'm like if you just watch the stuff that pit there's no way there's no way he was that good at he was so much better at pit like it, it was insane um that i was like nobody's considering this dude over clowny like but yeah it, it's one of those things where it's just like hey man if you think that dude can ball get the dude who can ball right don't worry about who might be able to like if you think that dude can ball like the texas did it with will anderson and cj Stroud, we're like hey man will anderson can ball we're going after him 
Like, we don't care what y'all care about the value of all of it. If we get a dude here and a dude here, we're going to make the playoffs. And then y'all be give us executive of the year and, and coach of the year at the end of all of this, right? Which the Texans are probably winning executive of the year after everybody said everything but nice things about how they went about their trade strategy. They were absolutely 100% right and validated the end of the season even with the trading the Browns pick part because they ended up with a better pick uh, by keeping, well, by trading their own pick and keeping the Browns pick. That's a really good point. And, you know, the big boards make for really funny discussions on Twitter. And that's one of my favorite things to, to look at around this time of year. Uh, <laughs> with that said, I would, you know, 86, I would probably pick Dominic Pooney from, from Kansas Offensive tackle, I think he had a really, really good week. That's a guy who I, I might need to look at him a little more. I, I may have jumped the gun on him a little bit. But from what I saw, uh, just powerful, strong, physical, all that, he might be my guy, 86. People can call me crazy. We can, you know, talk about it when I when I put up all my my big boards on Instagram and, you know, we can have our, our discussions. Uh, but Quincy... Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. I hope to get together with you again, uh, maybe around combine time, draft time, whatever it may be. Uh, but thank you again. No problem, man. You have a great day. You too.